Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. How you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. I'm getting ready for a birthday party. <laughs> Whose birthday? Your birthday? Well, my book's birthday. I have Your a brand book's... new book coming out. And books, they're like kids. They need birthday parties. <laughs> Sometimes labor and uh, the whole gestation period last a lot longer for a book, though, don't they? Yeah, this one was a five-year gestation, so oh, I'm really well. ready for the party. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's spend some time chatting about the book. Maybe you can read a little bit. I, I actually, between episodes, where we usually record three or four episodes at a time, listeners, and between episodes, I went and put on my uh, my uh, footy pajamas and got my nice uh, uh, cuddly blanket and a bowl of popcorn in case Heather reads a, a, a bit or two oh. from the book for us. I wanted to be all nice and cozy. So, uh, so, yeah, so, talk about this new this this new baby in your in your family. Yeah, well, it's um, it's children's fiction. This is my first time writing fiction. It's my fourth book, and it's called The Griffins of Castle Cary. It's a mystery adventure for it's it's for elementary and middle school kids. It's of eight to twelve year olds. So if you've got a preschooler right now, just give them a year or so, and then you can read it aloud, or they can start reading on their own. Yeah, um, question. It's the kind of book that I love reading as a kid with just three siblings and a giant dog and they go off and have adventures and they almost die but they're fine and everything ends up happily but the suspense just is page turning so that's if, the kind of book i loved as a kid if if uh, granddaughter rowan has uh, has has grown up she's six going on seven now and uh, mommy and daddy have been reading uh, tolkien and asimov to her her whole life is, is she probably ready for this maybe Oh, yeah, she's okay. ready for it. Okay. I had children who were test readers for me around the country. I, I chose families who would, either the child would read the manuscript on their own or the, the parent would read aloud to the kids. Uh-huh. So I had children, um, mostly seven and up, reading or, or having it read aloud, um, and that age group is just perfect. If they like, they already like that, you know, that, Harry Potter and, uh-huh. and Tolkien and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, Perfect. Their, their brain is ready. Um, and, you know, this book, it started when I was out on a cross-country ski. Usually I, I find as a writer that I write partly by sitting down and typing and partly by moving my body, <laughs> you know, that physical uh-huh. connection. So I take walks um, and I ski in the wintertime, and that helps me develop my ideas for my books because there are all these ideas, whether it's an it's okay not to share type book or a fiction book, the ideas are all jumbled around inside. And by walking or skiing, I, I kind of get them out there and these my subconscious mind just pulls them out and, and, and I can order them when I get back at the computer. Yeah. So that's where this book came from too, was, was when I was out skiing. And 
it came to me, I, I really feel it's all connected to my other books because it, it came to me with, with an emotion, sort of an emotion of longing. Um, and five years ago, I had been in a period of sorrow and grief, and this longing was coming over me, and I realized that's what a ghost is. A ghost is, because is, this book is a ghost adventure story, uh-huh. a ghost is somebody whose feelings are so big, so huge, so enormous that the feeling lingers after they die. Oh. Know, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm, I don't believe in ghosts, but for fiction, this sounds really cool. <laughs> and so I took this idea of the feelings being so big that they outlived the person as my premise for this ghost story. And of course, the kids then have to figure out what the feelings are and what the ghost longing is so that they can get themselves out of the fix that they're in and get the ghosts on their their way. So, uh, I have so many questions, but I don't want to give any, I don't want to have you give any plot points away. I won't give any spoilers um, away because I, so, I hate spoilers. So, are are any of the kids involved uh, spunky? Yeah, yeah, they have to be. I mean, if you're going to be ghost chasing, you've you got to have kinda... more courage than I have. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read books where you think, wow, you really like that main character, but I could never do I could what never they do that. did. Is that who, oh, um, does, the, does the dog ever come in and save the day? Yeah, yeah, you got to have the dog save the day oh, here and there. Good. But it's a big Newfoundland dog, which, you know, huge. That's a lot of dog. That is a lot of dog, and so it, at one point it gets mistaken as a bear. Which <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Um, is there, are there any, 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 uh, laser beams, uh, any, any, any high tech, uh, uh, spaceships or anything going on? Oh, no, there's no spaceships. This is set in the modern world. Uh-huh. Um, it's kids going to England to visit a relative where the, all the sort of old crumbly castles and that sort of thing where uh-huh. the ghosts just pop out. And, um, but it's, it, it's. So it's real world, pretty realistic fiction, and then you throw in the ghosts on top of it. So the ghost part is, is um, um, only the kids can see the ghosts. So that causes some interesting oh, um, mix-ups when the when the adults get on the scene. Are there scary parts? There are spooky parts. Spooky parts. Um, what the children have told me who've read it is that it's just the right amount of spooky. <laughs> I love that. So, I, you know, that's going to be personal taste. Some <laughs> kids, it might be a little too spooky. Uh-huh. You know, you're going to have to know your kid or the child will decide by herself. But um, most kids um, have said it's just the right amount of spooky and so it's suspenseful. You know, you just got to keep... They all say they couldn't. They didn't want to go to bed. Now, this is bad, isn't it? Because I'm always a big advocate for sleep. <laughs> Bedtime and sleep are big things. <laughs> so now you can all find out that Heather is sometimes hypocritical because the kids want to keep reading and not get enough sleep. Oh well. Oh no, Heather. Heather is a great marketer because the kids, will, the parents will buy this book for the kids. The kids will read it. The kids won't want to go to sleep. Then they'll go get the other books uh, about the importance of sleep for uh, for strategies on on how to do that. So. Uh, the good, good marketing. Yeah, well, my other books don't talk about sleep particularly, but sleep is a huge, huge important thing. But I also think that when we sleep, we we get some of this subconscious working, so that creativity, um, both for adults and kids. Um, one of the reasons that this book got written, I don't know if you know or if listeners know, but I've wanted to write children's fiction since I was in preschool. 
at age four is when I decided I wanted to be a children's book author. And some kids know that, what I want to be when I grow up early, and some don't. Uh-huh. I mean, I also wanted to be a zookeeper and all these other sorts of things, too. Um, but this one has stayed pretty steady with me, and I remember just wanting to do it all my life. But I think sometimes those inner dreams that we have get uh-huh. shuttled off to the side when we become adult, yeah. and we kind of get distracted by jobs and partners and bills and children and <laughs> who have needs of their own. And so it wasn't until I was a mother and I was, um, uh, when my first child was born, kind of rocking him, and he was already asleep. It wasn't like I was rocking him to sleep. He was an infant, and I was singing to him, and I was singing along to some kid's song from Sesame Street about one of those corny ones about believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. You can do anything, try what you need to try, etc., And I was singing along, wishing all this, you know, as a new mother, wishing all these things to my child. I wish you could just believe in yourself and try anything. And then I started realizing, wait a minute, I haven't done this myself. You know, Uh reality check. And so I, um, I thought, oh my gosh, here I am trying to bestow my wishes that I really believe onto the next generation. And I haven't done it myself. And I thought, which one is he going to believe? Me telling him the lyrics of this corny song? Uh-huh. Or me actually seeing his own mother doing, living out her dreams? Yeah, sometimes which we got to get out there the and do the thing. Impact. Yeah, absolutely. And so right then and there, I decided to start writing children's fiction because I wanted to do that. It didn't really happen very well for a while once you got infants in the house and took a little doing. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of time issues going on when they're tiny. Yeah. So I voiced to somebody, I said, well, I'll just start when the kids are older. And um, somebody looked at me and said, yeah, well, once the kids are older, then you'll have aging parents, or you'll have the next thing, and there'll mm-hmm. be a health crisis. Or you never know what it'll be. But there's no convenient time to write a novel. There's no convenient time to follow your dreams. You're alive right now. Yeah, you're busy. Yeah, you have young kids, but when else are you going to do it? Yeah, you gotta you gotta start you gotta start on the thing, or else the thing is never going to get done, no matter what it is. Right. So I I did start um, getting up earlier than the children and started to write when my kids were quite small, um, and I was writing the it's okay not to share books in the daytime, and then I was writing my fiction in this kind of. Twilight, well, the opposite of twilight, that morning time, I was calling it starlight time, Mm -hmm. where you're sneaking an hour, hour and a half for yourself, for your own dreams every day before the kids wake up, because that was my writing time. So uh, this is the... So five years later, here we are. Here we are. Are you... This is number four. Are you more excited about this one than the others, because this is the thing you've wanted to do since you were three? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing quite like a first book. When Mm -hmm. I first opened the case of It's Okay Not to Share and touched it for the first time, I burst into tears because, I mean, it's it's a lot of work to write a book. And I was just very touched. Uh, This is my fourth book, but it's my first fiction and my first book for children. And, yes, it has a very special place in my heart. So I really am eager to share it with you know, get it in the hands of children because only eight children in the world have read it so far. 
How did you? How did you They've find? All loved it. How did you find those eight? But that's only eight. <laughs> yeah. So I and I also um, we're at this book birthday party. We're gonna have birthday cake and balloons. Anybody who lives in northern Michigan, come on down. Hopefully, we're gonna have a giant Newfoundland dog to meet all the kids. And I'm going to um, recognize the kids that helped read the book and sort of inspire children and adults who want to write books um, and hopefully inspire them that they can do it too. How, how, do you, how did you find the kids that read it? And also, how do you find a Newfoundland dog? Is there like a website you go to rent a Newfoundland? or? Well, or? there is a website I relied on to, for some of my getting my fact-checking for Newfoundland. It's uh-huh. called My Brown Newfies, and she's been very helpful. And if you want to look at adorable pictures of Newfoundlands. And I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, they're very, very cute. So, yeah, I do reach out to, to experts of all sorts, whether it's um, what, how much does a Newfoundland drool <laughs> to other important facts. Even though it's fiction, you've got to get your facts right. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, my, um, I'm reaching out right now to find a Newfoundland because the, the Newfie owner that I found, he just moved away with oh, his dog. How dare he. <laughs> so I'm looking for, for a nice, friendly Newfie. But... Um, it's it's a sort of thing that you, you just want to share with the next group of kids uh-huh. who say, here, you, I, a lot of children who love to read books also want to write them, and yeah. some of them are going to grow up and do it, but I think it needs an awful lot of inspiration um, and support all along the way to believe that you can pull off whatever your dream is. Yeah, absolutely. And and for those kids that 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 helped with the 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 reading the manuscript, that's that's got to be a real empowering feeling kind of experience for them, huh? Yeah, well, they get an inside peek at how a book is written. Yeah. Did and they get their names in the acknowledgement pages and, you know. That's cool. Did you did things. you get like good notes from them kind of like uh uh page 53, I'm not buying I'm not buying the uh the the ghost and and on this page. You need to rework that any anything like that or well, I changed the climax based on what one child suggested. I thought, oh, that's, that's awesome. a good idea. <laughs> that's awesome. And I did alter some things here and there based on comments. Um, and some of the kids were just, ooh, I just never wanted to go to bed. This was so exciting. Write more. I want to read the sequel. Uh-huh. So, you know, some of them were just giving me that sort of feedback. But some of them were um, pointing out things that I found extremely useful because writing for adults, you need to be clear and not too boring. Mm-hmm. But writing for kids, I have such a high standard that they are children for such a short time. And I, I respect their time. I want to make sure that any book in their hands is worthwhile. I, I appreciate that because there are so many books out there marketed to kids that are... Um, I mean, they should go right from the uh, from the bookstore into the recycling bin, as far as I'm concerned. There's so much stuff out there that's meant to to market movies and TV shows, and it's poorly written and it's poorly illustrated, and it's just it's it's just icky to me when yeah, it's like commercials. Yeah, yeah, and and so uh, whether it's it's novel length stuff like you're doing or or board books for infants and toddlers, I I, I really like the authors who take time to to create a a a worthy pro- a product that uh, that uh, is going to stand the test of time and actually has some depth to it, and that sounds like yes. what you've done here. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't moralize and preach, but there has to be heart in every good children's book. Yeah, whether absolutely. Whether it's a book or whether it's a an, an, uh, chapter book novel, there has to be some heart. And and um, and I think it gets back to respecting children. I do really respect children, and children's literature is is wonderful and, and huge because many many uh, children's authors who write both for adults and for kids when you ask them how do you decide which when you have a book idea which audience you're going to write for this time they tend to answer things like if the idea is too big i write it for children because <laughs> only children will understand <laughs> you know some of these uh these concepts are uh, kids are open. They're open to ideas. They, they, they're not as jaded. Um, and life is new, and they've only read so many books in their lives. Yeah. So every book that you introduce them to is both an opportunity to, to try this story, and it's shutting the door on they're not reading something else. That's, that's so, awesome. Would you like a story? I, I, I was going to say, we're, we're coming up on, on, on our time, but I'd love to hear a scary part or, a, or an exciting right, well, part. Just, or a part. I'll read you the first page. Okay. Because... The first page went through 47 drafts, (laughs) and it ends up that usually the first page is the last page that you write. I mean, you have to write something to get started, but by the time you finish the whole book, you realize what needs to be on that first page Uh and revise accordingly. I'm excited. So this this page, I've I've got a whole stack of them, various (laughs) page ones, but this is the final page one. So... From The Griffins of Castle Terry by Heather Shoemaker, Chapter 1, Beginnings. If you know much about ghosts, you'll know that waiting is one of the things a ghost does best. Ghosts have the patience of eternity. Each April the ghost stirred. It coughed, cried, and blew its nose, then rose to the surface. April is an in-between season, a time when cracks, Split open along the ancient path from winter to summer, from death to life, a time when accidents might happen. This year, the ghost dislodged the beetle from its ear and wafted up to the walnut tree. There it settled in a crook of branches. Leafless twigs scraped, the buds on the brink of bursting, poised, silent, and swollen. This ghost was waiting for someone. Someone to whisper to. Someone to treasure. It was waiting for a child. Damn. (laughs) Then we get out of the scary part and we get right into the kids and everything's kind of lighthearted for the... But that's the opening spooky page. Oh, that's it, it, I. I love the language. I, I love the language and, and and the tone, and I love so much about it, Heather. And that's another thing that that just irks me about so many so many books I see is they 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 talk down to kids with the, with the language and the vocabulary and and uh, and there's really not a need for that. Uh, books can can stretch and challenge I, kids' vocabulary, and, and you're doing that you. right there. You know, every every child read learned the word salutations by reading. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And I have quite a few words like that in my book, not because I was trying to, let's have a vocabulary lesson, but because it was the right word to use. And some of them, the adults who were my test readers, they said, oh, what does ovine mean? Or what does this word? (laughs) 
And so the kids can pick it up in context, uh-huh. and the adults just have to do that too sometimes. That's awesome. So uh, where, do, where do people find the book, Heather? Oh, well, it should be in bookstores. It, it's official day of publication is March 5th. Though if you live in northern Michigan, you can get a copy two days early because we're having the book the birthday, birthday party, party on Sunday, March 3rd. Uh, but you can get it anytime after March 5th at any of your favorite bookstores, in person, online, wherever you like to get your books. And um, if you want to get a personal message from me, I'm happy to sign your book. If you order it through one of the Traverse City bookstores, I'll just dog sled or bicycle, depending on the season, down to the local bookstore, and I can personalize a message for you. So that, that's what I should do if I want to get one for grandbaby? Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'd be happy to write one out to her. Sweet, and uh, and I have a website oh. that um, is going to be hopefully up and running by the day of the birthday party, which is heathershoemaker dot com, and people can buy the book. There's links from there too. I I can't wait to I I can't wait to get it to give to grandbaby and read it first. Um, so so well, maybe I need two copies just so that uh, so so that I don't have to share with her. Um, Heather, I'm excited for you. When when I, I I'm wondering if we should name this uh, episode Heather's having a baby, um, just as clickbait. No, a book. I don't. <laughs> but no, you're having a birthday party. I think no, I think we should name it Heather's having a baby just to, for just for the clicks. Um, uh, that's just good pod, but probably we won't. But it would be hilarious. Um, any anything else before we wrap this one up? No, but um, I'm excited, and I wanted to share that uh, book excitement with everybody. And for those of you who think, oh, I can't read aloud to my grandchild or my whoever because they live far away, well, my local bank teller, she reads aloud to her grandchildren every single night over the telephone. So you, too, can read aloud no matter where you live to there the you go. you love. There you go. It's a Facebook thing. It's a FaceTime thing. Get out there and do it. Kids love it, and, and they really love good stories, and it looks like this is this is going to be another one. Uh, have you started the sequel? Yes, I've started the sequel. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll be back with that one in uh, probably maybe slightly less than five years. The second one should be easier, right? Yeah, it would be a lot faster than that. <laughs> Hey, this has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Go check out the new book and uh, and come back and listen to the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.